I'm David Brothers, and I'm speaking here with Whit Taylor, creator of comics like Watermelon, Madtown High, and Stethoscope Microphone. And uh, Whit, I asked you here today because I think that your work is really interesting, as well as your kind of position in comics. But uh, I want to start with something basic, which is when did you and why did you start drawing comics? Um, well, so I guess I'll start with like the reading aspect of it. Um, when I was a kid, I hated reading, um, especially like fiction. Mm-hmm. And my mom thought the best way to get me into comic or not to comics, get me into reading would be to have me read comics. So she brought me to this local store in my town, and I think the first comics I picked up were like a Betty and Veronica and another Betty. Yeah. And I just like got really into them, eventually started getting into Marvel stuff as well. Um, and that kind of made me get interested in drawing, and I'd o- always also just been drawing like naturally, just kind of scribbling stuff down. Um, but then I took a little bit of a break for most of high school and most of college, because I just had some teachers that weren't really encouraging. Um, and didn't really have any formal training. I took one art class in college, and that's been the extent of my drawing classes. So, um, but towards the end of college, I just started reading more like indie stuff. I went to a few comic book stores in Providence where I was in school, and then I was like, "Wow, people can actually make stuff like this! I want to give it a shot." So, that's pretty much how it happened. Very cool. Uh, what kind of Marvel and in- indie books were you in? Out of curiosity, were you into rather? Marvel, it was pretty much uh, X-Men, and I also got into, there was a series, I don't think it's around anymore, called Generation X, it was oh, more of yeah. Like, yeah, I was I was really into that one, because I was like the, the perfect age for that, so, um, in terms of indie stuff, some of the first things I got into were Craig Thompson, Blankets was one of the first ones, um, everything Jeffrey Brown, he was one of the people who really um, inspired me, um, Alex Robinson was another one, um, Charles Burns, you know, Stuff like that. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, one thing I've noticed about your work is that they feel sort of like stand-up comedy to me, in a way. Kind of the way you set up a uh, situation and then just kind of hit different bits and pieces of it. Oh. Uh, like, that struck me especially in your OkCupid uh, strip on Tumblr. Just the way you use captions and things like that. Uh, it feels very much like a performance, in addition to being, you know, like just a comic book. In terms of a relationship to the reader. Uh, how do you, like, what's your process like? Do you set out with just one idea? Like, I want to tell a story about listening to Tool in high school and then go from there? Or how do you kind of structure your work? Um, I mean, it, it comes from, I guess it kind of happens in different ways. For the autobio stuff, like, you know, Madtown High or any of the stuff I've been putting on Tumblr recently, I just, like, draw on, like, random experiences that I've had that I feel like I want to make a story out of somehow. Um, so I guess... For my process, I'll just scribble down a few notes of like bits and pieces of conversations. Um, I tweak them a little bit, um, and then I add some like narrative um, just to like fill in the gaps. Um, in terms of like setting it up like a stand-up comedy sort of thing, I didn't even realize I was doing that. Um, but obviously, like if you're having like a conversation, you have to find some way to kind of end it in a way that makes sense and has hopefully some humor to it. Not everything needs humor, but. Um, I mean, I guess that's the best answer I can give to your question. <laughs> yeah, it's the humor. It really stands out in your work to me. Uh, my introduction to your stuff was Watermelon. Um, and I liked how you kind of, like, you address a lot of sensitive subjects, but with good humor, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I feel like 
you know, when you're talking about race, and that's, you know, what Watermelon dealt with, my experiences as an African-American, as a black person, um, there is a lot of sensitive material, a lot of things that people don't feel comfortable talking about or thinking about. So there were some more serious moments in it, but I did feel like, you know, in order to, like, make it flow well and to, you know, make sure the pacing was good, that I needed to throw in some humor there as well. And I mean, I I feel like I kind of have a self-deprecating humor in general. That's just kind of how it's, you know, yeah. it's just kind of grown that way. So it's it seemed like a natural thing to do. That's cool. So, uh, like, Watermelon, it's... Do you consider that autobio? Like, I feel like it is, but... Yeah, I'd say it is. I mean, there's certain things, there's some factual stuff in there. Like, for instance, there's a part on, like, Kwanzaa, for instance, or um, Black History Month, different things like that where there is more, um, there's facts and stuff like that. But it kind of weaves in and out with the autobiographical aspects of it as well. You know, things growing up, my family being from New Orleans and writing about Katrina, um, even with the Kwanzaa piece, like, my experiences having people expect who expected me to celebrate that holiday, even though I didn't. Yeah. So what led you to uh, making Watermelon? Was it like a story that you just came up with one day and was like, oh, this would make a good comic, or was it something uh, different? Um, there's a lot of things I wanted to get off my chest. Um, <laughs> I think that was, it was, you know, a lot of my comics are kind of like therapeutic for me, and I wanted to address subjects that I hadn't seen in a lot of comics or hadn't seen in most comics. Um, I'd also, previous to that, I'd been making all these little mini-comics that were, like, 24 pages at most, but within the comics, there were, the, each story was about, at, at most, like, four pages. Mm-hmm. And Watermelon is composed of shorter stories as well, but it was the the longest piece I had done at that time. So it was, like, a real project for me, and I thought, okay, race is something that needs to be explored in more than, you know, 24 pages, in my opinion. So, <laughs> yeah, that's what I did. Very cool. Uh, do you prefer working like long form or short stories which which i guess feels better to you uh i think i'm more of a short form sort of person i haven't really done that much longer form work i just completed um this graphic novella which is going to be around you know the 80 ish to 100 page ish depending on what i add to it mark um so that's like the longest thing I've done um, with Madtown High. Like Madtown High actually came out to about 150 pages, but within that, each story was no more than six pages. So I feel really comfortable working with that shorter story format. Yeah, and it seems a good way to kind of get in, say your piece, and get out as well. Like nothing ever really drags in that format. Yeah, I mean, I feel like for the things that I was discussing, it didn't really need to have any more than that. And I feel like the combination, the collection of stories at least in Madtown High, kind of brought a greater sense to, like, what it was like to have that experience, and I didn't need to have, like, a really long-running story. Mm-hmm. And so Madtown High is your, um, it's a series of comics about your experiences in high school and kind of your circle of friends and the things you got up to. I like that they're anecdotes. It's almost like talking to someone about what they uh, experienced in school, like, over a period of time, but just compressed into, you know, one sitting. What's your overall impression of just your high school experience? Like, it seems both melancholy and, like, very positive. Like, you talk about biology uh, league and that kind of thing. Yeah, I was I was a big nerd. Um, I loved science. Um, I actually, I had a relatively easy time in school, and um, I was really lucky for that. And I really liked my teachers. They're all very quirky, 
and they were all very like old school. Like most of them had been teaching since like the sixties and the seventies. So very different environment than probably high schools right now. Um, but I was lucky to have, I went to public school. It was a good school. I had some awesome friends. They were also a little bit, uh, eccentric, but they're actually still my best friends now, which is really, I guess, rare. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's strangely. Um, but it was really difficult for multiple reasons. I mean, high school is always kind of an angsty period, like developmentally. Um, and I also like my school is very homogeneous, like racially. And I was like one of the few black kids there. So that was really, that was really difficult for me and like how it affected me in multiple ways. So there was always that kind of lingering in the background. So yeah, good and bad. Yeah. But I think most people kind of, well, some people hate it entirely or love it entirely, but most people kind of have mixed feelings about it. Mm-hmm. So where did stethoscope microphone come from? You're kind of, uh, I guess, music comic in a way. Yeah, that one's kind of out of left field. <laughs> <laughs> so I, when I was in high school, I used to, it's just like so mature, but we'd play like dress up sometimes and we like made up these ridiculous rock star characters. Um, one was um, one had this like flowing red wig, and the other had this like mullet, um, and we just pretend we were a rock band. Um, and then the Betsy Ross character, who's a love interest of one of them, my friend would like play that too. So I like look back, I'm like, man, that was really bizarre. I want to make a comic out of it and see if I can make any sense out of it. So what I did was I made the story. It's kind of like a, a VH1 style story, um, you know. They start off very small, they get big, they run into some trouble, you know, all of that type of stuff, and then fall from grace, rise again. Um, and I put a lot of musical references in it. For instance, there's like Yoko Ono references, um, a lot of Beatles references, um, Parliament Funkadelic, uh, Rick James, stuff like that. So it was it was really fun to do, and it also got, gave me a chance to work in color, which I don't really do very often. Yeah, what was that experience like for you? I know... Like Watermelon and Madtown were both black and white. Yeah, um, it was actually just like a stressful period in my life in general at that point. So I actually chose to color with Copic markers, and I felt like a little kid, which is really like relaxing, you yeah. know. <laughs> I, like you know, I come back from work and I like draw with these markers, and like I have mixed feelings about Copics. Like they have a cool look but they run out pretty quickly and they're too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, well, I might as well use them right now. And I'm happy with how it came out. I mean, it's a silly little story. So I think the medium worked well. Yeah. It's, I like that. Uh, so after the story, uh, hopefully this isn't a spoiler. There is a photo of you and a friend in similar costumes. And that was kind of, it was almost like the extra punchline on top of the punchline for the story for me. Oh, glad to hear that. Yeah, that was actually from high school. That was me and my friend, like, literally, like, dressing up like that. And I managed to find it somewhere in my room back in New Jersey. So I was so glad that I still kept that. Yeah, it's fun. Like, that's one thing I think, like, the story itself, I really liked. I thought it was funny and kind of uh, poignant at times, too. Like, when he sees uh, Betsy Ross again and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But it feels, like, it feels very... I keep saying fun over and over and over. Uh, it feels like a lark almost, like just something you did because, like, why not? Like, how much does that kind of impulse drive your comics making? Well, I just finished Madtown High, which I, which had taken me, like, the greater part of the year. So I was like, oh, I just want to do something fun and, like, no pressure. And, like, if nobody ever sees it, like, I don't really care. Um, and I just had a bunch of, like, 
silly little ideas that I wanted to try to make into a comic. Um, and that happens sometimes. Like once in a while, I'll just make a little mini that's completely unrelated to anything and I don't even do anything with it. <laughs> and it, it's nice to, it's nice to mix it up. Um, and recently I was putting some, some comics on Tumblr that were related to my winter break. Mm-hmm. Um, I work at a college, so I had like a bunch of time off in the winter and I just went back to New Jersey and hung out with my friends. And that was just kind of a random project too. It's just, you know, after any big project, like I had just finished, um, my graphic novella. So I was like, I'll, I'll just do something fun. Are you going to work in color more often? Um, I hope so. Um, I don't know. I don't have any projects planned right now that I plan to do in color, but I'm sure something will, you know, make it will happen down the line. Very cool. Uh, something else you do, you've, you've been doing criticism and interviews at panel patter. Uh, what brought, like, why that turn? Like, it's an interesting move for a cartoonist. Yeah, it kind of happened. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. So I've been reading a lot of stuff on like, uh, Tumblr on the beat, various things about the state of comics criticism and how there seem to be still the same demographic of people reviewing comics. Um, and that there weren't, there weren't a lot of different voices out there or as many as there should be. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Like maybe I should give it a shot. Um, I like writing. I've always liked writing. And so I guess what I did was, um, I reached out to Rob Clow, who's one of my favorite reviewers. He's like, he's reviewed my comics before and I've always just kept up with high low, which is his, um, blog. And so I like reached out to him and I was like, I think I want to give reviewing a shot. Like, do you have any tips? And he's just like, he's like, Oh, I think you're a strong writer. Like, just like do a few, put them on your Tumblr and see what happens. And they were very like well received. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to keep trying to do this. Um, and then Rob McMongle from panel patter, he reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to start writing some stuff. And I said, of course. And it's, I love working for him. He gives me a lot of freedom to be able to, you know, do what I want. So it's it's really great. Yeah. How long between uh, putting your reviews on Tumblr and him reaching out? Like, how how much time was there between that? Maybe like two to three months. Wow. That's yeah. Pretty quick. Yeah. Happened pretty quickly. Um, but I've been trying to take a different approach with the reviews. I. You know, I have a background in, like, social science and in health, which is kind of like you wouldn't think that would be related to comics, but I've tried to use some of the academic stuff that I've had to try to rope that in, mm-hmm. to, especially social science stuff, to rope that into, like, people's works. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that, how you've, like, an example? Because that's really interesting to me. Um, yeah, so I think the first one I did was Noah Van Skyver's work, St. Cole, and he had had a lot, a lot of the themes I noticed revolved around shame, like the character experiencing a lot of shame. So I had been reading this, um, I guess she was a social work, she, a social worker. She has a PhD in social worker. Her name is Brene Brown. And she had become kind of well known off of a Ted talk that she did on shame. And then I started reading some of her work and I was like, Oh, maybe I can try to tie these in together. And I think it worked. I think it worked pretty successfully. Um, so I've been trying to do things like that. Um, Alabaster is another cartoonist. I really like her work. And I brought in some Joseph Campbell stuff. He was a professor who was an expert on mythologist, uh, expert on mythology. And so he does a lot of stuff on the hero's journey, which is kind of a, a path that we all take 
Um, and there's a lot of themes in that. And I noticed that there was a really great connection with her work. So that's just another example of, you know, how I've been trying to tie in some of these more social science related things into my reviews. So whenever people draw in larger themes, uh, be it like social science, race related or gender and kind of looking at the comic in the context of our culture, that's always really fascinating to me. Yeah, exactly. And I think one of the things like I've always been more drawn to storytelling than the art like the art if it's not quite my cup of tea i'll like let it slide if i really like the story Mm -hmm. but one thing that's actually interesting is that rob clow like after he read some of my stuff he's like you need to like touch on the art more and i was like i was really insecure about that given my lack of formal training i was like well how are people gonna like care what i have to say about art if i don't really have this like huge background but i've really i've really been trying to um incorporate that and i think i've i've made more of an effort with that lately yeah. How do, so how do you approach discussing art? It's one thing that I personally, you know, I'm a writer by nature, I guess. I had to teach myself kind of the the language of art and how to get across how I feel about it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of similar to what you've said. I've just been doing some, you know, studying up on it. And really part of it is just my personal opinion. Reviews always like... I mean, when it comes down to it, it's your opinion about something. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that. Uh, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, do you have? Do you work in a studio? Do you work alone? Like, do you have a, a comics community? Uh, I work alone. I work in my apartment. Um, I have plenty of cartoonist friends, which I feel like has grown over the years. Like, I'm pretty shy as it is, so it's been a big effort for me to reach out to people. But I'm realizing how awesome it is to know other people who are you know, passionate about the same thing that you are and who are making really cool stuff. Um, but in terms of working, yeah, I tend to work alone. Like I, I need that like quiet and that, you know, being alone to be really focused. So do you work with music or anything or it's got to be completely like just you and the page? Oh, I use, I listen to music and this is like kind of humiliating, but like (laughs) Lately, I've been listening to, like, this horrible, like, Top 40 radio, and it's, like, I don't even like it, but it just, like, somehow the beat gets me, like, pumped up. <laughs> I don't really, I shouldn't have really said that, but that's what I've been doing lately. And, you know, other, other you know, music that I, I quote, unquote, really like, too. Yeah. Uh, what kind of music are you into? Uh, wow. I'm going to be cliche and say everything, but um, I really like a lot of more... I don't know, alternative music. I really like classical music. I, I played a lot of classical instruments when I was younger. So that's another thing I like uh, I like do, listening to while I'm drawing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've been very frustrated with finding new music lately. So I need to, like, get on that. Do you play uh, – I saw in Madtown that you were playing bass. Did you – like, are you still in bands or anything like that? I'm not. That was, like, a – certain period of my life i did play bass um i don't know where my bass is i think my brother has it i really enjoyed it i played cello too for like seven years so music music has always been a really huge part of my life i was a radio dj when i was in college spent four years doing that um yeah so music is a really has been traditionally a really big part of my life but no i don't really play anymore you debuted stethoscope microphone at spx have you done many conventions tabling and selling books I do. I try to get in as many as I can, but, you know, obviously expense and location have to be taken into consideration. But I try to at least do four a year. Um, So, yeah, I have a few lined up for this year. SPX is my favorite one. Fingers crossed for the lottery. Um, (laughs) You know, but, uh, 
Yeah, SPX is probably one of my favorites. And I went to Asbury Park Comic Con last year, which is interesting. So I'm giving that one a shot again. That should be in April. And we'll see what else comes up. Um, where, where is that con? It's in Asbury Park in New Jersey. It's down the shore. Okay. So, you, I mean, last year, I, at least I had like a very nice view of the beach while I was sailing. So that was pretty sweet. How do you like the tabling experience? Is it like grueling for you to talk to everyone who comes up? Or are you like a natural salesperson? I'm definitely not a natural salesperson. I was really horrible like when I started off because um, I'd like leer at people like watching them check out my work and trying to like get – and I thought that, you know, I, I was just very like hyper aware of people like looking at my work and being very anxious about it. And I've tried to learn how to, to back off about that. Um, it's always very personal, you know, when people walk over and they look at your stuff and then they like put it down, they walk away. But that's just – that's the nature of – of selling stuff you know people it doesn't mean that they don't like it there's you know people have there's so much stuff out there at a comic-con like you can only buy certain things you can't buy everything and even if people don't like your stuff that's just how it is it's just part of it um but in terms of selling stuff i've been working on on pitches i don't want it to be like too pushy um and then i find the best thing is really just like talking to people like a normal human being (laughs) That's what works. <laughs> Surprisingly, that goes a long way sometimes. Exactly. Uh, have, have you had a favorite show or like an experience where you were just like, oh my goodness, making comics was the best decision I've ever made? Any uh, highlights? Highlights. Well, um, SPX has always been great, especially this past year because I felt like I was way more, I was just feeling more confident and I, I feel like that really helped me meet people. Um I was up for an Ignatz Award, so that was kind of exciting for Madtown High, which was completely unexpected. But it was just nice to to go in and with my new with like the Madtown Highs, which I hadn't actually sold yet because I had printed up number four and number five pretty late. So that was fun to bring that over. I also like Mice, the Massachusetts Independent Comics Expo in Boston, and I'm based in Boston, so that's always easy to get over to. But it's really like nice community of people. It's a little bit smaller. Um, and just really, really fun just to see old faces every year. Yeah. Do you, are, do you put your comics together yourself? Like, is it a completely independent operation? Just you and Kinko's? It used to be. Um, it used to be, but not anymore. I mean, with my older minis, I, I definitely do that. I actually had no clue how to do it at first. And I looked up, it was, um, Art Babe, Jess Abel's like old site, um, and on there, she just had instructions for, like, making your own mini-comics. So I, like, followed that religiously. And at first, it took me, like, two hours, three hours to, like, get a, you know, basic one down. But Yeah, the pagination was, is crazy sometimes. Yeah, I, like, got, I was so confused by that. But, you know, and dimensions. I'm not really good with math, so it was, like, super hard. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I did that at first. Now I get them printed. Um, I get them printed in Boston and sometimes in other places, so... Yeah. Cool. Are you looking to make comics uh, like a full-time career, or is it just something you do for fun? Um, your... In an ideal world, it would be full-time. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the goal one day, or even part-time. Right now, I work full-time and do it, which is definitely a balancing act. It's like sometimes the last thing you want to do is really focus on, on making something quality when you have like a 9-to-5 job. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> the dream would do, would be to like, you know, not do that, but... Um, yeah, right now I'm working full time. Yeah, and it seems like you put out like a decent amount of stuff each year. I mean, there's the five Mad Towns, there's Stethoscope, there's Watermelon, 
And that's just since 2011, I believe, 2012? Yeah. 2011. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty, I'd like to think I'm pretty driven. Um, I try to be disciplined. And one thing that's helped me be disciplined, especially with Madtown High um, and the last piece I did, um, Up Down Clown, which is the, uh, n- the novella, I was like, I made myself post a story every single week, whether that be one page or six pages. And six pages is pretty grueling to do in a week. Um, but I was like, I'm just gonna, it has to be done, like, regardless. Um, and that really held me accountable for it, you know? Um, and that I, I, the other thing is I tend to be a quick drawer, which, you know, is a good thing and a bad thing, but, (laughs) um, I can make a lot of mistakes or be careless at times. And that's something I'm working on, like slowing down, but I think that's probably contributed to it as well. That's cool. Uh, so like in a perfect world, how long does it take for you to draw a page that you're completely happy with? <sighs> Maybe like a day. Like a day? Okay. I don't, I don't know. I don't have any frame of reference for knowing if that's like yeah. No, that's pretty good. Like most, uh, most artists go for, you know, like 22 pages a month or something like that. So like a page a day is pretty, it's right on par. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'd say. Uh, so what was your first work in comics? My first work? Like, um, even if you didn't show anybody? Well, I, I'll just mention two different things. First thing I made was this, like, ridiculous fantasy thing about this, like, deer and his friend who worked at a Mexican restaurant in the desert. And it, it was just, like, it was just so so disjointed. Um, it was one of those, another one of those like fantastical ideas, like stethoscope microphone, but it didn't fully come together. Yeah. So I kind of like, and I went to Staples and I staple, I actually didn't even like, I just stapled it regularly. <laughs> Never did. Only person who ever saw it, interestingly enough, well, I don't even know if he saw it was Harvey Picard, which I'll get into after. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> that's, that's a whole other story. But the second thing I did was, um, this series called six panels where I had, um, six panels and I had one person for each page and they had to say, make a a complete statement in six panels. So it was very static looking, but again, it was like getting those ideas and that having that conversational quality that I think I have in a lot of my work. Yeah. Going back to the other story though. Um, when I was in college, I went to Brown and there was this Hillel center, the Jewish center, and they invited Harvey Picar because American Splendor, the movie had come out and they wanted him to talk about that as well as some comic stuff. And I was super excited. Um, so I got my friend to take me to dinner at the Hillel center one night, which is probably like very like inappropriate of me, but I went there and like slowly snuck up towards him and like, started talking to him about comics and stuff and he was he was super down to earth like really nice very straight shooter as you'd imagine and then he's like oh you make comics and i was like yeah and he gave me his address and i sent <laughs> i sent them to him and i'm like oh my god i can't believe i did that like oh they were so terrible but <laughs> yeah that's the story do you not like your older work like what kind of or do you, do you see the good qualities now that you have some distance from it yeah i mean i think there's always good qualities. I don't hate my older work. I Before I did um, Watermelon, I put out like 10 mini comics that most people have never seen, mm-hmm. uh, each being about, like, like I said, 24 pages. And they're more like the uh, more recent Winter Break comics I did. They're about my friends. They're very conversational. And there's some that are terrible and there's some that are really good. And one of them actually 
got a little bit of notice. It was called Onesies. Um, and it was all, every like page was just a single story, so hence onesies. And actually, Domino Books, run by Austin English, they took an interest in it and they they distroed it for a little bit. Awesome. Yeah. You've done a few interviews as well. Uh, I was wondering if you could talk about your approach to interviews. Like you mentioned, My- bringing academic or like ac- like academic qualities into comics reviewing. How do you how do you look at uh, digging into an interview? Hmm. Which interviews have you seen? I'm just curious. <laughs> uh, Mari Naomi. Oh, you mean like that? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that was a really fun one to do. I also did one for Matt Moses for um, Hick and Hawk, which is a, a publishing company based in, in New Jersey. Um, but I'll talk about the Mari uh, Naomi interview first. Uh, I read her. I read her book. Two um, D Cloud sent it to me, and I love her stuff. Like she's an autobio cartoonist and that's what really attracted me because I do that as well. So for that one, you know, I asked about some of the themes in it, you know, a lot of the themes being, you know, relationship issues, mental health, childhood, which are a lot of things that when you do autobiographical comics, you tend to touch on things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was more interested in her process of being an autobio cartoonist and some of the difficulties and challenges and good things about it. Because whenever you do autobiographical cartoons, um, there's always an issue of disclosure and there's an issue of reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you do autobiographical comics, people assume that they know you and that's not the, I mean, when you're writing something like, first of all, your memory is like distorted as it is, you know, there's cognitive distortions. It's not the full quote unquote truth. Um, and you also pick and choose what to, to write. So those are some of the things that I was interested in and I wanted to just see what her take on those things were. And it was really, it was really great to like hear um, her opinions on those. So I try to really, again, look at some of the themes in the work. And then I guess I'm interested in their process, what artists that they, what artists they like, who, who some of their influences are. And those are sort of the things that I go for. And do you tie that back into your work as a cartoonist yourself? Like it's almost like you're uh, getting tips and tricks from other creators? Yeah, I mean, I always, I always look to learn from other people. You know, I'm constantly learning. I will continue to learn. And so, of course, there's a personal aspect to those questions. But I wouldn't ask questions that I didn't really care about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one last autobio note. Most of your stories that I've read have been pretty down-to-earth. Like, even Stethoscope Microphone was, like, a very uh, familiar type of story. Are you into, like, fantasy or sci-fi or something more... Uh, fantastic like that like just off and completely unrealistic uh maybe one day Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) um i wouldn't say i'm particularly drawn to it i mean i do like some sci-fi stuff but i don't think it would be right for me at least right now to to do something like that i'm more in autobio mode but i'm also trying to make sure i don't like pin down like make myself be just straight strictly an autobio person so like the Up Down Clown, the, the graphic novella I just completed, that's fiction. And I plan to do have some more fiction uh, down the line as well. But I don't really know about sci-fi or fantasy for right now. Okay, cool. Uh, so can you run down your websites and where people can find you online? Sure. So I have a website. It's whimsicalnobodycomics.com. That was an old name I chose, and I'm sticking with it right now. I don't particularly like it, but... Um, and so the Tumblr is of this is of the same name. It's whimsical nobody comics dot tumblr dot com. 
check that one. Don't check the old one because I tend to update the Tumblr way more. Um, but the store is on the old one if that's of any interest. And are you going to keep putting comics on Tumblr this year? Or was that just a winter break thing? I hope to when I have the time. It's I've gotten pretty busy lately with reviews and other comics-related things. Um, so not in the near future, but definitely I hope to get out some stuff at some point this year. Awesome. Uh, thank you very much for talking to me. Yeah, thanks for having me.